Good morning, and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. This is Friday morning, November 19th. I'm Tom Short, so glad to have you along today as we get into the Word of God, talk about it, obey it, believe it, and allow it to change our lives and then pray over it as well. We've been discussing here the last two weeks differences between Catholic doctrine and what the Bible teaches. And this morning we get to one of the most important changes or differences, and that is how do you understand the ceremony, the event called the Lord's Supper, communion, breaking of bread, the Eucharist, the Mass. Of course, in, in uh, the Catholics call it the Eucharist, the Mass. What do we call it? We're all referring to the same event, but it's understood quite differently between those who are of the Catholic Church and those and, and the rest of us. So let's jump right into this and look at what it says and the implications of it in understanding the gospel message. I want to begin in Matthew chapter 26, where Jesus institutes this event. He takes part in this event, and it's called, this is the Passover, and it's the Passover meal, and he's transitioning it from what the Jews had always understood it to be, and a remembrance of their deliverance out of Egypt, and now into the new covenant that he's introducing. Matthew 26, verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. The question is this. Does the substance of the bread and the wine literally turn into the substance of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Was he speaking in metaphorical terms? Symbolic, was he referring to this bread is symbolic of me? It's, metaf- it's a metaphor of my body. And this wine, I want you to think of this as a metaphor or a symbol of my blood shed for you. Or was it literally, did it literally change its substance to become the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. The doctrine of the Catholics is that it changes, and it's called transubstantiation is the name of the doctrine, that when the priest blesses at the the Eucharist or the Mass, as they would call it, that when the priest blesses and prays over the, the bread, the wafer, and the cup, the wine, the substance of it literally changes, and it becomes the body and the blood of Jesus himself. Now, Protestants don't, most Protestants don't believe that. I don't believe that. Rather, we believe it was symbolic. Is there reason to believe that it was only symbolic and to be thought of in remembering Jesus, but not actually Jesus himself? Well, I think the answer can be found in the very next verse, in the context. Matthew 26, verse 29, he had just called it his blood, right? This is my blood. But look at the very next verse. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. He didn't say I will not drink this blood again. He just said this is blood. This is my blood. If he meant that it literally had become his blood, I think he would have said, I will not drink of this blood with you again. 
until I drink it anew in the, my Father's kingdom. But instead he said, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine again. I think that's pretty clear. It's pretty obvious that Jesus thought that technically this was still wine in the cup and it had not, the substance of it had not become blood. Very, very important. Let's look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And let's see how Paul speaks about this. Beginning with verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you will proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever eats and drinks, eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So again, he's calling it the cup. He's calling it the bread. He's not calling it the, here, he says, it, it's, we do that as a remembrance of Jesus. It is, these are symbols that we take, that as we take of them, they remind us of his body being broken, his blood being shed. And, and indeed, if we do it in an unworthy manner, it's, it's, where it's offensive to God. It's offensive of what, of what he has done for us if we don't remember what he did properly. However, he continues to call it bread and cup. He doesn't call it here. He, said, he doesn't say whoever takes the body of the Lord, excuse me, whoever then eats of, this, of the body or drinks of the blood. No, he continues to call it the bread and the cup. Now, I will admit, there are troublesome verses along this line. And one of the troublesome verses is found in John 6, where Jesus speaks very strongly about you've got to eat his flesh, drink his blood, if you want to be part of him. Again, what, how, how's this passage to be understood? And it is, you know, it, Jesus, he really gets into it here with the Pharisees. And they're kind of driving him into a corner, and he just goes right there with them and, and, and says, I am the bread, I am the true bread that has come down. You've got to eat of me. You've got to eat my flesh. You've got to drink my blood. And my goodness, they're getting all upset over what in the world is he talking about. And we might wonder, what in the world was he talking about? Well, John 6, is Jesus, when he refers to himself as the bread of life, is one of seven... I am metaphors, he refers to himself in the book of John. There are seven of them, and there are these. John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. John 10, verse 9, he says, I am the door. You must enter through me. John 10, 11, and 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. John 11, 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. John 15, 5, I am the true vine. My father's the vine, brother, you're, you're the branches, I'm the vine. And John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, we understand all these to be metaphors. Was Jesus real bread? Was he real light? Was he a, a door? Did he have, was he made of wood? Did he have a knob on it? Was he, a, was he really a shepherd? No, all these are metaphors that refer to, that where he uses common examples 
to refer to spiritual truths. He's the door. He's the way in. He's not a literal door. He's, he's the light of the world. He's not like, it's not like there's light shining, emanating from him. He's, but he, he gives our way. He enlightens our path. That's a metaphor. He's the resurrection life. He will raise us that through him we are raised from the dead. He's, he is the vine. He's not literally a you know, piece of wood with, with branches growing out of him, but it's a metaphor speaking of we must be connected to Jesus. We must, he's, he's the one through whom we receive, as a branch through whom we receive life. All these are metaphors. And as metaphors, we are to, underst we're to understand them as symbolic metaphors, teaching important spiritual lessons, but he's not really bread. He's not really a vine. He's not really a door. He's not really like a flashlight. No, these are these. There's there are deep truths we're to learn from these of who he is, and how are we to know that John six is really to be understood as a metaphor, as a spiritual truth behind it, as opposed to a literal that he is literally bread, and we are to literally eat his flesh and literally drink his blood. Well, in John six, many of the people were upset by what Jesus was saying. Verse 60, therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? And some of them turned away. But in verse 63, Jesus says, it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. These, were, these words were, they were, it wasn't flesh words, shall we say. I think he's saying these are spiritual words. When I say I'm the bread of life, this is a spiritual truth. When I say the door, this is a spiritual truth. When he says I'm the vine, these are spiritual truths. I'm often asked, you know, do you, Tom, do you take the Bible literally? And usually people, you know, they're, they're trying to mock me for believing in Genesis is real or, or the miracle of the Red Sea really developed. I do take these things literally. I believe that's how they were meant to be understood. And that's, where, and that's how we want to interpret the Bible. Do I interpret it all literally? No. I don't think Jesus was a piece of wood with a door knob on him. I don't think Jesus was a vine that, with branches on him. These were metaphors. These were intended to be understood as metaphors. But unfortunately, it's often the people who mock me for taking Genesis 1 literally, uh, which we should, uh, are taking John 6 literally instead of spiritual truths behind this, or Matthew 26, I'm the, I am, this is my body, this is my blood, taking it in a literal way beyond what I believe the writers intended. But here's the thing. I, years ago, I, I, I mean, I believe that Jesus is saying that when he says, this is my body, this bread is my body, it's a symbol, it's a metaphor. It's something he wants us to remember his death upon the cross, his actual body that was pierced, punished, beaten, crushed for us. And when he says of the cup, this is my blood, he wants us to remember the blood that was shed on the cross. These are, as it says in Matthew, in, um, it says it every time, do this in remembrance of me. But I understand why someone could read the scripture and think this should be understood as literally the body and blood of Christ. And, and so a number of years ago, I, I said, okay, if you want to believe that, I'm probably not going to convince Vince them otherwise. However, what does matter is why it's important. And the reason in Catholic Church, they claim 
that Jesus is being offered again on the mass, that this literally turns into his body, literally turns into his blood, and he's being offered again as a sacrifice for our sins. That, my friends, enters into a realm of doctrine where we cannot go. That is beyond the pale. Because we know that in Scripture, we read, for instance, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 11, and this is talking about the Hebrew priest, but the truth remains because he's comparing with what Jesus did. Start with verse 11. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. One offering, one time, all sins. Jesus is not now being offered again in the Mass. He, has, he was offered one time for all sins. In John 19, 30, at the end, he says, it is finished. He had completed his offering, sacrifice for our sins. Now he has been resurrected, and he's not in that Mass He's not being offered again. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is. Our hope, our faith must be in the, the, the event that happened on the cross. See, this is, this is important to understand because if, if I need, for my forgiveness, I need to take part in the Mass. This is why uh, missing the Mass, missing the, the, the regular church service weekly, the Mass, where the Eucharist, where the body and blood in the, in the, is offered in what they call the Eucharist, that's how your sins get forgiven. That's, how, that's, how, that's where you must partake of that for your sins to be forgiven. That's where Christ is being offered for your sins. And this is why it's essential that you come to church, it's essential you be part of the Mass, it's essential that you take the Eucharist because this is essential for your forgiveness. And my friends, I can't buy that. Not from the Scripture, not from the Bible. Our hope is not in what that priest does for us each Sunday. Our hope, our faith, is in what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross 2,000 years ago. That's where we look to, the cross of Jesus Christ. One time, one offering, all sins. That's what Jesus did, and that's where our hope, that's where our faith is. Don't put your faith in the church. Don't put your faith in the priest, the pope. Don't put your faith in the Eucharist. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. We do the Lord's Supper to remember what Jesus did back then, not to reenact and redo and re-offer re himself every day or all over the world, hundreds of thousands of times. No, no. It's our faith. We look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, we thank you again in this whole series as we've been seeing these gospel truths about what you did, Jesus. Thank you. You are the Son of God, the Christ. You're the rock upon whom the church is built. You are the one upon whom we have faith, in whom we have faith. You are the one who gave your life on the cross one time. And Jesus, that one event, that one day when you died on that cross, you, the Son of God, your blood, your blood shed, your body broken, it was for the sins of the world and for all of us. And we thank you that that event, that you could say at the end, it is finished. You had completed the mission, the work of, 
of giving your life as a ransom, a sacrifice for our souls. Thank you. We bless you. We worship you. You are the bread of life. We want to take of you. We want to allow you to feed our souls. We want to we want to feed upon you, Jesus Christ. You are your blood, Lord, cleanses us. It, it truly has made us alive. You are the good shepherd, and you do shepherd our souls, and you do lead us, and you, we are your sheep. You are the light of the world, and we follow the light that you set, you give to us. You're the door, Jesus. We enter through you. You're the way. Not, not the church, not Mary, not, not priest, not a pope, not a not Jesus, there's one God and one mediator between God and men. It is you. You are our Savior. You are our Lord, and our faith and our hope is in you. Thank you. We bless you. We worship. Thank you for the, the scriptures. Thank you your scriptures teach us this, these things. We trust in your word. We trust in what was delivered up to us through the apostles that you chose and that you, you were the one, Jesus, who chose them. And it was through them you gave us the scripture. And for this, we're grateful. We bless you. We glory in our salvation. We thank you for the assurance you give us. Thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness we have. Thank you again. Jesus, it's, it's so amazing that death, one death you offered took care of the sins. Everyone we've done, the big ones, the little ones, the ones we are aware of, the ones we didn't even realize we were doing. You cleansed us fully, completely. And for this, we give you praise and we worship you. How we pray, Father, for our Catholic friends. So many of them are sincere. So many of them truly want to know you, truly want to do the right thing. They've, they've, they've had this taught within them, and they truly desire to, to please you. And how we pray for them, Lord, that they would enter into the true knowledge of the grace and the freedom and the victory that's provided in Jesus Christ alone. How we pray for them that their faith would not be in their church, their church structure, their popes or priests. Their faith would truly be in Jesus Christ and help them, Father, to realize if it's not, help them to realize that they can seem so similar. And this isn't just splitting hairs, Jesus. You said that if we believe in you, we'd have eternal life. And I pray for our Catholic friends that their faith would be clear in you. Help them to know the truth and have a faith that's built solidly on the truth. We pray for them. We thank you for them. We pray, help them to understand, help them to read the scriptures and that you would make it clear to them. We bless you today, Father. We give you this day to walk with you, to, to, to be the light. You said you're, now we're the light of the world, so shine through us. Help us, Lord, to smile today. Help us to be victorious. Help us to overcome. Help us to have the joy of the Lord. Help us to have the confidence and faith that comes from knowing we are the children of God. Bless our steps today. Surround us with your favor and grace, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. And amen. Hey, thanks for joining me on this series. Tomorrow, I've been asked a couple questions. If you have, have any questions on this series I've not addressed, uh, make sure and just drop me an email, tom at tomthepreacher.com. Tomorrow, I'm going to kind of uh, cover a couple things that I had missed, you know, like, was Mary perfect? Do you know what the Immaculate Conception was? Do you realize that's talking about Mary's conception, not Jesus's? That's talking about Mary's birth, not the birth of Jesus? For years, I never knew that. We're talking about how we got the, you know, why the Catholics have different books in their Bible than us. If there's other questions you want to know, make sure and drop me an email, tom at tomthepreacher.com. 
I'll take a look and see what I can answer tomorrow, kind of a catch-all type time. We're here every day. We're in the Word of God every day. We believe there's value in it. God sees you're here. God knows you come. God knows that you, you are making it a commitment, a time to get into the Word of God every day. So I hope you join us every day. It takes some discipline, but it's worth it. There's so many distractions, are there not? On YouTube, right here, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all over the place. The, the, the news, the radio, so many distractions, so many things. And we want to be making sure that we're prioritizing getting the Word of God into our life every single day. It'll make a difference in your life. It'll lift you up. It'll lift up your spirit. It'll encourage you. It'll help you walk in the truth and be pleasing to God. That's what we want to do. So, so glad to have you along. Make sure you do subscribe, hit the notify button. If you're, if you're new, if you're here regularly, make sure and share it with your friends and invite them to join with us, okay? God bless you. You have a great day. Walk in the Lord. Enjoy the Lord. Enjoy his victory and his forgiveness today. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.